0: James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Bulwark. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode 88, sliding into your RSS feed, into your iTunes, into your Stitcher, wherever. Kind of late on a Friday. Our apologies for that. We've had some scheduling issues. We've also had some technology issues. And I'm pretty sure that Mark is deep into the mall back by now. Not yet, but it's sitting there waiting for me. <laughs> no, no, no mark on the mic with the Malbec? Yeah,
1: no. I uh, try not to do that. Also, try not to text. Yeah. So, people out there, if you had a couple of drinks, put your phone down.
0: Yeah, put your phone down. Um, I've been on the I've been on the opposite end of those text marks. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you too. You yeah. left yourself a few text messages you weren't happy with.
1: No, no, no. I've had people text me stuff that they shouldn't have while they were drinking. Oh, then, right. Course, Knowing me, I teased it, living bejeebies out of them. Later, I keep it.
0: <laughs> Perfect. All right, and we we always have to kick off with some shout outs. I want to give a shout out to Ger- Gerald and Pratt out at Bursis. They're a um, you know a technology services company. They have some products as well with SAP and things. They're mm-hmm. masters at JavaScript and all in all all things um, data on the back end. And they're they're a team that really gets it. I had a great meeting with them this week. And then also we never Mark. I realized we never gave Alex Bruns his proper his proper shout out for giving us the IngrainRocks.com. So tell us about this.
1: Yeah. So, so Alex actually heard us on the show talking about it. Wouldn't it be cool if a company would analyze all the rock cores that are out there and put it in digital format and sure thing he knows a company that's do it. It's called ingrain. Uh, he made a connection, uh, asked me to reach out to a guy uh, in InGrain, and I did reach out to them. I haven't heard back from him, but people are busy these days. But he'd be a perfect person to get on, uh, at the very minimum, my blog, talking about the high-tech stuff they're doing, and maybe somewhere on the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So big thank you, Alex. Yeah, big thank you for that. And then um, Fidel Garza, we have some um, some planets aligning once again. This is just crazy. You would think that we're somehow manipulating things in the background, but I
1: promise you we're not. Both of our podcasts, the podcast winners are pulled by the sponsor companies. We have nothing to do with it.
0: Nothing at all. Nothing. So give us the backstory because you have the message from LinkedIn going on here. Yeah, so basically, he reached out to us and just
1: uh, thanked us for for accepting his connection on social media and for his company. And he just loves the work you and I are doing. Um, It actually, he says, it helped him profoundly. I think this is cute. He goes, "I believe you are doing the large work by informing the public, (laughs)
0: oh, testify,
1: and providing opportunities to your listeners by sharing the wealth of knowledge." Just, just a great guy, right down to earth, straight up. And so I let him know. I said, "Hey." thanks for being a little listener, but I noticed the name of your company is your wife, Katie. And he replies back, he goes, yeah, well, we drew her name on the HSN podcast. We didn't.
0: The The, the sponsor of that show did. Yeah.
1: Pulled it. (laughs) And and so she won that, that, um, that prize. And so, you know, what are the odds that he reaches out to me and
0: coincidentally without us knowing we pull his wife as the winner? I just (laughs) think it's cool. It's really cool. And even cooler is going to be the, uh, the, the first Friday Q and a coming up next week. We we asked for more questions and y'all responded <laughs> yeah, mightily, mightily responded. which is uh, good we appreciate that yeah we really appreciate that it's going to be our uh, we'll see if we can do it in 45 it might go 60 that's, Uh,
1: that's at least an hour long to get through that
0: yeah yeah definitely so thank you to everyone submitting your your questions and we've got some some surprises in store as well um one thing that's not a surprise is the fact that we're headed up to calgary may 15th through the 19th to geo convention so um why don't you go ahead and take it from here mark Yeah, so
1: the price of oil is creeping back up, everybody, which hallelujah, finally is happening. You need to spend your marketing dollars wisely and get ahead of your competition. This is one of the places that's worth your marketing dollars. And we've actually been given a gift for our listeners. So if you want to exhibit there, a normal 10 by 10 space, which is uh, $1,800, they drop that price down to $1,600. Uh, we will, we'll have a link in the show notes so you can reach out to Dustin directly. And there's also the, um, the uh, PDFs on what's going on in the show and what the exhibitors are doing, all that sort of stuff. So I'm telling you, go grab your marketing person, point them at this and go, uh, and go to this in May. And, and if you go, let us know, and we we'll glad to sit down and talk with you cause we're speaking there.
0: Well, that's the thing that we should add as well. If you do go, um, and and purchase one of these booths, then we're happy to give you some marketing and sales advice as well. Yeah, we'll we'll throw in some free consulting. Not three days. Not you know,
1: three it's days. It's twenty or thirty minutes, whatever we can spare. But yeah, anybody that goes that puts a booth, James and I both separately will give you some free consulting.
0: Definitely. All right, let's get into the stories. Petrobras Total S A in oil and gas alliance PBR. Talk about it. Yeah, well, Petrobras is in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> But
1: because of corruption, bottom line, and it's 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 thrown the comp country into not chaos but deflation's through the roof, unemployment's through the roof, and so they need some help. And your wife has, is
0: Brazilian, by the way, so you know this. Yes.
1: Well, I I knew Brazil before I met my wife. It's actually funny. Everybody thinks I that's, speak Portuguese. That's bullshit.
0: why you met your wife, though, right?
1: No, no, <laughs> you no. You love I, Brazilian women. Oh, I do love Brazilian women. Yeah, it's um, but it was just pure luck that I actually met my wife in a gym. So that's a story for a different podcast with a different explicit rating.
0: Um, <laughs> the same gym that you had your wedding in, by the way. Yeah, the same gym I had my wedding in. <laughs> yes, Mark um, Lacour, backstory. But um, but but Petra
1: Ross is really hurting, and they have some of the biggest um, um reserves in the world. But their technology challenged to get them out because they're so deep and they're under so many layers of rock and salt. And so they need some help, both from a financial point of view and from a technology point of view. So they formed a, a partnership with Total. And something that's not mentioned in this article, Brazil is notorious for requiring local content. So if you want to go do work in the oil fields out there, you got to form a joint venture with Petrobras and you have to have X number of your employees be Brazilian and X amount of your materials come from Brazil just last week, they threw it out the door. It's like, come on, anybody that come over here and gives us money. You can come drill, which is good. And we talked about in the previous show, yeah, yeah. but this large capital expenditure, highly technical reserves, they just need help. And total stepped in and said, you know what, for a piece of action we'll help you. So this should help over there. Um, they really need oil to bump closer to $70 a barrel, but they're going to be okay at 60,
0: which is where we're headed. Is, is, is there any shelf plays off of Brazil, or is it deep water down there? The large recover reserves are all deep water. There are, in some
1: in incidents, some shelf plays. There's actually some land plays, but but it's like a very small percentage. The the big whale is, is in the deep salt layers.
0: Got it. All right, let's head over to Qatar. Qatar oil, long-term stability, but a short-term weight. What? Uh, wait. Wait. <laughs> long-term stability, but a, sh- uh, but a short-term weight. What was that? So Qatar is a little bitty, 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 tiny country in the Middle East, right?
1: But of the 14 OPEC countries, they're 11th as far as production. But because they have such a small population, they're the most um, well-off, financially well-off population in the Middle East. Um, And so what's happening is they're, they're tweaking their production to try to get prices to creep back up so they can make some more money. And they're doing this in concert with OPEC. But the other thing that's a little bit different about them is most of their market, so most of their oil they sell goes directly to Asia Pacific. So they have that kind of locked up. And so uh, this is a good article where he's tracking not only production, but he's tracking a number of tankers that are making that trip between Singapore and Qatar. And you can see the relationship between what they produce and what they export. So when the tankers start stacking up, they back off on production Right? so that there's tankers waiting so that it drives the price up a little bit. So it's just it's t- it's typical uh, market dynamics on a kind of a micro level because Qatar is so small.
0: Yeah, so is, as far as how small is it, it the population is currently 2.169 million from 2013. And uh, are you ready for the square acreage? Yep. It's, all right, 4,468 square miles. So let's put that in context. Texas is 268,597 square miles.
1: Yeah, so they're basically a suburb of Houston. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> if that if that but it's it's fascinating though like you said that so you know that such a small concentration of people have such such an abundance of wealth. I mean, it's insane. And There's a little fact in here that kind of slips
1: through. So if you look at how much they have under reserve, which is a a legal term, it's literally how much oil do you know you have, and you look at what their production is, if you do the math, they have 58 years left of production. What does that tell you? That tells you they're going to be making some big investments in technology, Mm -hmm. right? Because they they have to keep that production up much longer than 58 years.
0: Right. But let's underscore the point, though, because even though it's 58 years, that's traditional reservoir technology. Right, right. You know, it's because – if if we don't make that qualifier a, a some a, i don't know peak oil type person might could could be listening oh, and no. possibly there you know we have 3000 plus downloads each time and so they they could hear that and go well it's going to run out in 58 years okay yeah 58 years the end of the world's going to happen right
1: yeah no so so that's figuring out the conventional reservoir recovery rate which is with a really good operator is 12 or 13 percent, which means 87 percent of that oil is still there 58 years from now.
0: Right. In conventional reservoir, if you're new to the show, that's drilling straight up and down. No hydraulic fracturing, no, no horizontal drilling, anything like that. So yeah, interesting stuff. All right, we've got a story from the Wall Street Journal. As I said before, there, there was a couple of stories out there. And I um, apologize to anyone who might click on the link, because if you look at the Wall Street Journal, I think three times you hit their paywall. But um, this is actually on a couple of different websites, including the Wall Street Journal. So let's dig in. Bankruptcy bust, how zombie companies are killing the oil rally. Um, what, is, what is the story here? And, and is it hold any water?
1: No, it yeah, it's most certainly holds water, although it's funny how they say killing the oil rally to capture um, the search engine ranking. It's really about coal. <laughs> 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 and, and it was some oil mixed into as well. But so so what happened is in the investing world, especially in the last, say, five to eight years, you have two separate types of oil and gas investors. You have the ones that know the industry and they make money, whether the price is up or price is down. They know how to work that. Then you have the people that saw all the easy money it was making that were investing in other stuff, and they jumped into this market. And when, when it was $145 a barrel, they were patting themselves on the back and buying $5,000 bottles of champagne because they were making so much money. What they didn't realize is everybody was making money. Then it wasn't just them. When the prices dropped, they didn't know what to do. So a lot of those investors thought that when the prices dropped, Companies would go into bankruptcy, which then would reduce the supply of oil, and in this case, coal, on the market, which then would drive the price back up. That's not how it works. When you go into bankruptcy, you don't stop production. It's just – it's a legal arrangement with the court to relieve you of some of your debt load. You keep – the and the goal of that, especially at Chapter 11 bankruptcy, is to keep it's, you in business. Yeah, to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, of course, even though there's the rise in bankruptcy went up, there was no big drop in production. Now, the people that know the industry know that's going to happen where the real um, opportunity is, is being able to pick up distressed assets for pennies on the dollars and then flipping them. It doesn't even mean you have to be an operator. You can literally pick up stuff. And when I say assets, it's not just leases. It's not just land. It's things like drill rigs, pipe, um, you know, blowout preventers, all that sort of stuff. And if you're smart in doing that, you pick it up for pennies on the dollar. You turn around, and sell it. It's easy money. Um, and like I said, there's groups of investors that get this, right? And they know how to do this. And they know how to work those financial terms. And there's other investors which, which, which frankly. I mean, which, um, you know, quite frankly, don't know how to do this and, and they're hurting themselves. So uh, once again, it's, 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 you know, if you're in the investing world, either uh, for a living or you do it on the side, you have to do your due diligence. You have to understand the world that you're investing in. If you do that, you have a much higher success rate. If you just dump money into something, cause everybody else is, it doesn't work very well for very long.
0: So this is really interesting. Cause I've had quite a few, um, supply chain conversations throughout the years and, and finally understand what supply chain means because you can, you can major in that at Michigan state university. Um, And I even knew a couple, but I, I didn't understand it, but in the supply chain within oil and gas, there are a ton of, of assets. You might be thinking, well, I don't have a warehouse. Where am I going to put this stuff? There are warehouses you can buy for for cheap, for cheap. Um, So you said rigs uh, drill bits. I mean, go down the line. Yeah, so there's actually companies that make money by
1: doing nothing but renting your company warehouse space. Um, same way with drop delivery. There are companies out there that do nothing but make money by taking the stuff in your warehouse and delivering it when and where you want it to be delivered. There's layers and layers of profitability here. So all you have to do is understand the industry and have some money to invest and in. don't make dumb decisions, and, and you'll be okay.
0: Yeah, you will be okay, although we are not investors, so hey yeah. – Right, we're working on that. We, we are working on that, though, of actually
1: getting some investors on the show—not on this show, but on their own show.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Things are things are moving ahead. All right, this was an interesting, interesting headline to me. So I'm I'm very looking forward to talking through this. Chevron sees big profits in California despite regulations. Yeah, this is a
1: great article. Um, I've never thought about this before. Thought it through. If I would have thought it through, I would have seen this. So this was a little bit of eye opener for me. But historically, California is a very uh, hard state for oil and gas companies to operate in because environmental activism, the anti-oil and gas sentiment, blah, blah, blah. Well, Chevron has at least two refineries that have been there for a very long time. Because of the legislation and the mentality, no new refinery can come in. So Chevron basically has a lockdown market. No competitor will come in. So the California, regardless of what they dream about, still needs a lot of gasoline and diesel. And so Chevron has that market. So what they're doing is they're taking some of their CapEx and they're investing in their refineries. There's one in Richmond and one in El Segundo. And they're making their refineries ahead of time meet the future California um, emissions laws so that they'll be the only person that can do it. So they'll be the sole supplier of gasoline in California. It's actually very smart. They're actually using what would some would see be an, an, an adverse situation to their own advantage, keeping their competitors from coming in.
0: Well, it's just bizarre because we have we have government intervention creating a very unique situation where they're where they've created a monopoly.
1: Yeah. Well, so Chevron, um, um, I think it's the Richmond refinery, is the largest producer of jet fuel. So if you fly in and out of of California anywhere, you're dependent on Chevron supplying that jet fuel. Now, James, what happens when there's one provider of a product? Where does the price go? The the price goes up. Yeah. So California pays more for jet fuel, gasoline, diesel, than anybody. And the the state government and the mentality of people are doing it to themselves. And Chevron's laughing and taking it to the bank.
0: Yeah, I mean, might as well take advantage. And you said quite a while, 150-year-old, 15-year-old refinery.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. Most of our refineries are old. I don't think we've built a new refinery since 1977. But what happens, is they continually upgrade and expand them. I just, you know, I I love Chevron and Def. I really do have a love affair with them. And here's a good example of them using their CapEx and their technology skills to make sure they own this market.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and aided by the, like you said, the people doing it to themselves. Yep. The people do it. to <laughs> <themselves>. <laughs> It's just so I texted you. I didn't put this story in, but I, I, I didn't hear back from you. But remember uh, it was a kinetic Connecticut story the other day. They, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? It's, yeah. Oh, another example. Crazy stuff. Let's give the people the backstory. Uh, they they said, all right, no, we're not going to be doing these gas pipelines. We're Connecticut. Yeah. We don't have winter. We don't need low-cost heating.
1: No, no, no. So it's it's hilarious. So they don't want the pipelines for environmental reasons, and they have a bit of an anti-oil and gas um Um, mindset as well. What they don't realize is they're important LNG from the Caribbean and the company in the Caribbean that's doing it, that's their only customer. (laughs) And it's, it's in a state that literally is, is 50 miles from some of the richest gas fields in the world
0: it's just insane yeah. oh but you know hey there's a couple there's a couple companies taking advantage i mean if you're going to let us corner a market uh, thank you i guess
1: yeah <laughs> and know? the people of connecticut don't realize they're paying four times more for gas than they should be paying <laughs> it's
0: just yeah it's hilarious all right um what's going on here over here uh our second and last seeking off of sanchez energy oh that's why I brought it up because it's in the Eagle Ford, and we haven't talked Eagle Ford in quite a while. So, Sanchez Energy sells Eagle Ford assets to Carrizo for one hundred and eighty-one million. Yeah, that that price when when this first started talking, that price is
1: really like two twenty, two thirty. So, this is a bit of a, of a, um, a discount on what we, we, most people thought it would go for. Um, it's some it's some great assets and some great reserves. It's some um, liquids heavy. Um, and once again, this is the same thing that we've talked about over and over again. You have an operator in a, in a play that is not their domain expertise. Um, they have other plays that they are the experts in. So they're getting rid of the plays, the investment in the plays that's not in their sweet spot and selling it to companies that it is in their sweet spot. So the backstory of this, and if you listen to the show, you've heard this 100 times, is that an operator in a Permian, a good operator in a Permian can take average property and make way more money than a great operator that a bad operator can make with prime property. And so it's all about where's your sweet spot what and what happens is these operators learn these different plays and they tend to stay there. So this is just a, a basically an, another story of an operator getting rid of assets because it's not in their sweet spot and another operator who it is in their sweet spot picking it up for in this case, a bit of a discount.
0: Well, and so just so that we can qualify this, because now I know I've had a few of them reach out to me throughout the week, actually. If you're a mineral owner and you read this article, um, don't get excited about getting $5,900 per, per acre. Right, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Because it changed. It's, 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 uh, that's not happening anymore. <laughs>
1: right. No, it won't, ha- it won't happen
0: again. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, so, so let's see, where is it? It's in the oil window, the gas window. Um, I see Zavala County here, Frio. Yeah, so so this is in
1: in a in a, a liquids rich um, reserve, right? So e- even in the same play, if you're a gas company, you tend to find other properties that are more gas rich. If you're a liquids company, you find co- uh, properties with more liquids. So there's even diversity
0: even in the operators in the same play and where what they do best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so again, if you're new, um, a play is just a, a an area where where people are searching for oil. And I guess we'll we'll see how this plays out for uh, both Sanchez and Carizo. It's it's I
1: can tell you how it plays out. It's a good deal for both of them. It's a win win. Yeah, it really is. Um, uh, Sanchez needed the cash, and if somebody writes you a check for 181 million dollars, that's a lot of cash, mm-hmm. you know. And Carisa knows how to develop his profit and be profitable at it.
0: Yeah, they're one of the they're they're one of the good good really good operators in the Eagle. For yeah. I just I've known known that for quite a while. All right, what is going on with why CEO of Dallas based Callus, Salus or whatever it is thinks an eight billion dollar bet on alaska's north slope will pay off yeah this is this is a good story i i i heard about this actually a couple
1: months ago um they found a huge new uh discovery on alaska's north slope and the last big discovery i think was in the late 60s in the same way in the north slope and so uh the c this ceo of this dallas uh, company um believes that he can get the investment money to actually be profitable, because what he's going basically do is bring uh, hydraulic fracking to Alaska, which is has never been done before. now the 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 big caveat here, and I don't um, they've actually done business in Alaska for a while, so they probably know better than me. The problem with Alaska is the weather. You can't drill all year long. In fact, you struggle to reduce all year long because the winters are so severe. So that has to be figured in as well. And then the other thing is, you know, you know, we believe that we're in this long-term 50 to $60 barrel price market. $8 billion is a lot of money to get investors to pony up for where they can invest that money here in the in the shell plays and, and know they get a good return at, you know, 40 to $50 a barrel. So uh, we'll see where this goes. The oil the oil's there. The oil and the gas is there. It's just, can you get it out of the ground and make a profit on it, you know, in that 50 to $60 a barrel range? We'll
0: see. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking right now about that, that scene from There Will Be Blood with the, my milkshake, <laughs> and I put my, you know, straw in your milkshake, and um, it, that, that milkshake is darn frozen. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's just not moving the majority of the year because me being from Michigan, having grown up where you can skate on your backyard, I mean, we're talking about fracking to, to move hydrocarbons from under the earth that's not gonna happen when it's negative thirty. So you you pretty much I don't even know really when the summer is as far as even how long it is, but it would seem like you would have a three month window to do this every year. Well, and the other thing is you have what's
1: something called permafrost. Most That's of Alaska, exactly what I'm thinking about. The ground is frozen solid all year long. Um but let me put this in perspective. So the, the big play they found in the late 60s, which is 69 in the North Slope, the whole reason they built the Alaskan pipeline was about 2 billion barrels. This play is 25 billion barrels.
0: Okay, that, that's we, we got to get that into the story then. That's yeah. key. This is a
1: huge, huge
0: discovery. So where do you go from there? I guess you just you do what he's doing, trying to raise, raise the money. Uh, the The yeah but in the the difficulty he has
1: even though he's operated north slope since 2014 this is all new nobody's fracked there before and this is a huge scale project i mean eight billion dollar investment so he's gonna have to convince investors that he can do this and pull it off and make them some money when nobody's ever done it before that's gonna be the hesitancy from the investors like nobody's proven they could do
0: this well so is he is he putting eight billion out there so he can get i don't know 20 million to do a discovery well and prove it can be done i mean i yeah, wonder it, how many phases are are going to be buying into this they're going to have to do a couple of test wells and prove that
1: they can uh, the production numbers are what they need to be at the test wells that's that's key um you know, once again, I mean, even things like infrastructure, where they're going to get sand from, where they're going to get propant? you know, it's, I guess they can melt snow for water. What are they could do, <laughs> do with the wastewater, right? Do they have disposal for, I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure pieces that I have to put in. Um, even things like the frack trucks, there's no frack trucks in Alaska. He's have to convince somebody like Halliburton or Schlumberger to make an investment in that. So he, he I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it's, this is going to be a, a bit of a difficult situation. Now, There's some people out there saying oil's going to spike to $70, $75 and stay there for a while. If that happens, this project will go straight through. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Well, I guess we'll just keep watching that. All right, what about um, Colorado? This is uh, from Heritage, and I I have a feeling we might both feel the same about this article. Colorado's discovery of massive oil and gas reserves, a case for local energy and environmental policy.
1: Yeah, so the federal government owns um, uh, 700 million acres in mineral rights. Uh, in Colorado and the Department of Land Management, Bureau of Land Management and the EPA has basically not allowed anybody to um, drill. Um, So it's the federal government saying you can't drill in the state of Colorado. My problem with that is that the federal government should not be able to say that. That's a state's rights thing, right? If the population of Colorado agrees, that that they can do exploration on federal property. And long as it's managed responsibly, like it is in almost every other state, they should be allowed to. The other thing, and they talk about this here, is the federal government allows other people to use that property, right? So if you're a rancher, you can lease the grazing rights. If you're a timber company, you can um, um, buy the rights to to cut down the timber and replant. So, you know, this this is, once again, a, a perfect example of our current administration using the federal sledgehammer to limit what the oil and gas industry can do to make them competitive and and that just hurts the people in colorado that all that exploration money those lease that money would go to the state of colorado all the taxes would go to the state of colorado all the jobs state of colorado so the federal government's basically saying we want to keep it in the ground so Colorado, you don't get to enjoy the prosperity that other states do.
0: Yeah, but that's so inconsistent because they're saying we want to keep it in the ground here where our constituents can see it, but go ahead and do it in the shelf in, in the Gulf of Mexico oh, look, way right, out there, right? Where we
1: make all the money, right? The Federal government makes all the money. The other thing is is um, they tried this in Texas a while back, and in Texas sued them and, and won. Um, it's like this is states' rights. You cannot step in. And, and regulate from a federal level what it should be states' rights. And, you know, I'm a big believer in in the Constitution, big believer in states' rights. Anything that's not specifically spelled out to the federal government, the state should be able to decide. And our current administration, and, and quite frankly, last couple administrations, but especially our current one, have really stepped outside their guidelines. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping the state of Colorado looks at this, not, and this isn't a pro-oil and gas or, or anti-oil and gas opinion. This is do the state does the state of Colorado's constituents allow the federal government to control what goes on in their state, or do they take back control? You know, if they should be able to take back control, and then they decide themselves if they want to allow drilling on federal property.
0: So that's interesting. Then is there? I wonder if there's any pending legislation, or if they're talking about it. Um, I have not heard.
1: I know that our, our governor, <laughs> typical Texas governor, has formed a coalition with other oil and gas governors, uh, North Dakota. Um, New Mexico, uh, Oklahoma, and they're looking together as a, as a, almost like as a team, how can we push back on what the federal government does to overstep its bounds? And so with Texas, and I'm not being pro-Texas, I'm just telling you what the facts are, but with Texas leading the charge, since we have such a long
0: history of fighting the federal government when they overstep the bounds, I think it's going to (laughs) happen. Literally fighting the federal government here in Texas. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Remember the Alamo people. All right. Shale drillers going long, not deep in the oil patch, sticking in Denver here.
1: Yeah, so this is about the, the current trend of like super laterals. Um, okay, define that for me. So, so when, you, when you drill a fracked well, and it actually doesn't have to be oil and gas. They do this with water, right, water wells. So you drill a horizontal hole in the ground, and when you hit the, what's called the pay layer, right? the pay dirt, whether that's oil, gas, or, or water, that, that layer runs sideways, not up and down. And so what they do is they drill laterals, they drill sideways, so parallel with the ground in that pay zone. And what's happening as we have better and better technologies, we can drill those laterals longer and longer and still stay in the pay zone. And it's actually a cheaper way to drill a well, but you get way more production. Um, you only have one vertical, right, instead of a whole bunch of verticals, mm-hmm. which means you only have one well site, which is, actually means it's much better for the environment. In the old days, when they drill multiple um, vertical wells, they may take up 100 acres, Right, in today's modern frac well, with these these um, um, ultra laterals, it's only one well site that takes up four acres when they're drilling, and when they go in production, it takes up less than a half an acre. So it's even better for the environment because there's only one well site on the surface, um, and it just adds enormous value. But th- it's dependent on our technology to be able to make sure we know where that drill bit is, you know, five thousand feet away from the vertical, eight thousand feet away from the vertical, ten thousand feet away from the vertical, and that drill bit is actually talking back to uh, software and and processors back at the service. So as we get better with something called measurement while drilling uh, MWD, we're able to drill these longer and longer uh, uh, horizontal um, uh, laterals, which is better for the production. It's cheaper for the company, and it's better for the environment.
0: Yeah, and so the unofficial record sitting here uh, for eighteen thousand five hundred and forty-four foot, foot lateral, about three and a half miles. That would take you probably about an hour to an hour and a half to walk, depending. So. That is an insane amount of ground to be going through under, underground. It's, it, it just boggles the mind, the technology involved.
1: So let me tell you what companies are working on. And I can tell you the company because this is kind of hush-hush. But imagine going to a play like the Permian and you drill one horizontal well. Not one horizontal well every acre or every play, one horizontal well. And you have the technology that you can run as many laterals off that well as you want. For oh. miles. Oh wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> can you can you see what we're talking about here? And and we're not there yet. It's a we need better technology, but I know two companies that are both working on that technology to make that happen.
0: That's insane. And just throwing in some more technology things that we haven't talked about, but it just comes to mind. Things that are going on with what Facebook is doing with Oculus, the you know, to being able to do the virtual reality and see things. Could you imagine in, in ten years where that type of thing is going on or five or however fast it happens. And you've got a room full of oil and gas executives with their Oculus masks on actually, you know, hey, James. Yeah. It's already here. I've already seen it. Are you kidding me? So
1: one of the largest super majors, I'm not going to m- mention names. I got a chance to uh, tour their geoscience center and you can actually put on a pair of um, three goggles and see the reservoir in real time. You can touch it. You can move it. You can see where the drill bit is. It is cool
0: it's stuff. He- so that's not 10 years away. That, that's no, he- it's here. It's, it's here already. It's, yeah. So the proliferation is going to be in the next two or three. That's, it's, see, no. it's, well, it's, what happens is that's very expensive technology,
1: so only a few large companies can afford it. The big the big revolution is it's getting so cheap to produce that technology that now some six-man shop out in West Texas can be using it.
0: That, Think see, about that. Well, in, and I remember when I first started in this industry, um, I mean, I'm talking this is the summer of 2012. It was a really big deal to be able to use something kind of like Salesforce chatter, which is kind of like Facebook Messenger for businesses and being able to put all of your engineers on one chat stream so that one guy out in the field can pull... Um, can pull a a drill bit out take a picture and send it out to everyone how much further of an advance is it that all of a sudden every engineer who's available can throw on his 3d glasses and and you're having this conversation as if you're subsurface
1: oh it's it's getting way past there the engineers are getting to be pushed out of the picture so you're having machine learning right Mm, machine learning is when the computer software is looking at all this data and you teach it, okay, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. And then it starts making its own correlations and it comes back to you and it goes, is this what I should do? And it, it's literally learning. The, 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 the huge advantage there is a machine can look at hundreds of thousands of data streams in real time, something a human can't do. A machine never gets tired. They never lose concentration. That's where this is going. Well,
0: I welcome our new oil and gas overlords. Yep, me too. I've been waiting
1: for this for 20 years.
0: Yeah, and, and, and by all means, uh, drive my car for me. I want to take a nap or work, <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll let me, get to- let me back, Let me back up on that. So yeah. that's a good
1: analogy. If you can drive a car, you can drive a drill bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's different sensors and different data streams, but it's the same thing. It's looking at everything that's going on in the environment and making the smart decision.
0: No, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So George Jetson is, is running himself a, a rig out here. This is why I'm saying that we're in a low uh,
1: hydrocarbon uh, price, you know, hydrocarbon abundant world for the next several hundred years. It's all these type of technologies. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's, and it's it's great stuff. Um, yeah. But this industry is fundamentally gonna change like it's never changed before.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. I was just listening to Brian Tracy. Shout out to anybody in sales that knows who Brian Tracy is. But I was listening to an old, old program of his last night that I just finally downloaded back to my iPhone. And um, I can't remember who it was that he was quoting. It was someone from Intuit or IBM or something like that. And anything that can be done with technology will be done with technology and much faster than you think. And that was yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um Kick, uh rounding things out with with for all of our uh, students that listen because we know that we have a lot of geology students that listen so this is really interesting appalachian state geologists research on asian foot footprints garners worldwide attention
1: yeah this is some of the oldest footprints ever discovered this is in tanzania um, and it's it's they've carbon dated this and these footprints are between uh, uh, around 19,000 years old and it's, it's about 400 or so footprints that have been fossilized. This is actually really cool. You, you don't know this, James, but my uh, minor is, is in anthropology.
0: So, <laughs> no, I didn't. I I know yeah. the major um, was yeah. what was it? Wildlife. Wildlife
1: <laughs> management. Um, that's why I love it when environmental environmentalists environmentalist act act me. Do you know anything about wildlife? And I go. Matter of fact, I have a degree in wildlife management.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were you were built for this.
1: Yeah. So what's so cool about this is, you know, our, our modern species, Homo sapiens, um, came to existence about 100,000 years ago. But between 100,000 and about 20,000 years ago, we don't have a lot of parts and pieces. We, we have fragments of stuff. And so to be able to find footprints and this many footprints, you, you will not believe the amount of data that you can get from footprints. You can figure out if it's male or female, how much they weighed, right? Were there any injuries in the past? Um, you know, what was the general size, you know, were people smaller back then or bigger back then? And so this is, a, if you're a geologist and also if you're an anthropologist, um, this is a, a great find because it's, it's some missing information that is very valuable.
0: Interesting. In the Tanzania site, um, it's near a spring that's full of catfish and tilapia.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. So what they're talking about is right now it's all desert. Mm. But back when these footprints are made, it was lush. It was green. There was ponds with fish in it. Um, once again, there's another
0: example of how our climate changes without people being involved. We swim. What, what did those what did those bastards do back then to ruin <laughs> the environment and take that catfish tilapia away? Tell yeah, me. Tell yeah, me, see, Mark. But, but see, people don't realize that our const,
1: a client is not static. It, it's constantly moving between uh, times of global cooling and ice age and times of global warming. So if you look out your door and you don't see glaciers, which means we're not in an ice age, by default, we're in a period of global warming. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get political here, but this is a good example
0: of how our climate changes. And, and we'll continue to change whether we're here or not. Yeah, well, I'm I'm still I'm sticking with my religion here. there was something wrong with those people all right that rounds things out our onion of the week cubs fan ready to get completely drunk on only two days rest so shout out to all you cubs fans out there pulling one off uh for the team and uh and drinking your drinking your malbec or gin in my case whatever whatever it is i don't really think cubs fans is drinking malbec maybe i'm wrong if we have any cubs fans out there let us know Well, I know plenty of Cubs fans. Um, Yeah, probably more Budweiser because of of course, uh, you know, um, in in great in honor of the of the great Harry Carey, you got to be drinking some Budweiser. I saw a link the other day. It said Harry Carey went out like a boss, drinking two hundred and seventy seven days straight of Budweiser. Ouch, God,
1: that hurts just thinking
0: about. Yeah, but he was so old. I mean, he went out on top. You got to give him that. You got to give him that. All right, um, moving right along. Bulwark has a winner. And I will leave it up to you, Mark, to explain the more, uh, you know, universes aligning here.
1: Yeah. So congratulations,
0: Tim Baird, he's
1: Field Service Manager at Uh Tim is actually the guy that uh, taught us how to pronounce the Pleistocene last week. Um, so, Tim, or the Peance. No, it's not Peance, isn't it? Pice, now we can't pronounce it. Anymore. <laughs> Whatever it. it is. He told us the right way. We just forgot how to yeah, say well, it. Well, he's one of the guys. So, yeah. um, so gosh, we'll that's get so, it right. We'll get it so right. We'll just quit talking about it. We won't have to worry about it. Um, so congratulations, Tim. You are now the proud owner of the Bulwark Long Sleeve Two-Tone Base Layer, which has become the fashion accessory in oil and gas in 2016. If you would like to win your own Bulwark Two-Tone Base Layer, it's very simple. You go to bulwark.com forward slash podcast. That's dot com forward slash podcast. Put in your information, and we pull one lucky winner a week. If you or your companies in a need for FRs, check out Bulwark, largest manufacturer of FR clothings in the oil and gas industry for a reason.
0: Yeah, and also, you know, with, with the temperature dropping to a frigid 82 in, in the 70s right now, I mean, there's probably some people in Houston that need to cover up. You're seeing people in, in leather jackets outside right now, Mark.
1: Oh, I know. I know. I was making fun of myself because I, um, I uh, um, had a, a meeting today at lunchtime, and I went and actually dropped off some stuff for you, and the way home – I, I had the air conditioner cut off and the sunroof in the windows and I looked down and it said 83 degrees. And it's like, only in Houston does 83 feel like a beautiful
0: fall day. Like, Ah, oh, nice. All right, events on deck. Um, if you want to get Mark's monthly events email, which I highly encourage you to, uh, go to triberocket.com forward slash events and you will get um, these ones that we're about to talk about and everything else that he sends out every month. Our first one in here, grand opening and panel discussion, reliability in a world of volatile oil prices happening here in Houston, November 3rd through, no, it's on November 3rd, 4 to 7.30 p.m. Who's doing this and what's going on with it, Mark?
1: Okay, so this is one of these insider-only events. Everybody, shh, the rest of the world doesn't know about this. This is the type of stuff that's in my newsletter. Um, So this is a a, a Riddle Oil and Gas, and they're actually putting a panel together to talk about um, um, what's going on with oil and gas prices and reliability. So it's going to be a bunch of uh, engineering experts, industry leaders. Uh, you would get great food, uh, free drinks. Um, they'll have, they actually have a bunch of food trucks showing up, which I think is cool. And then you get to network with your, your fellow oil and gas professionals during the happy hour reception. So if you're in the industry, and it's free, free for our listeners. It's actually free for my readers, which makes it then also
0: free for our listeners that sign up for the newsletter. So wait, wait, free booze, free food? Free good
1: food, free good booze, and free good information and free good networking.
0: Oh man, it's, it's on a Wednesday, I believe. Or no, it's a Thursday. Dang it. I think I'm, I don't we'll see. I got to get around for the free food and booze. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's this next one with the exercise? No, I'm joking. Independence Ride, November 5th, 2016, Wallace, Texas. Yeah, so uh, on our other podcast,
1: All Gas HSE, Patrick and I interviewed Neil, who's the head of HSE for Pacific Drilling. Neil is also the head of the Independence Ride, we found out, and this is a charitable event where they raise money for injured veterans. Um, and they they use this money to buy wheelchairs and prosthetics and all that sort of stuff. And so what what's kind of I think cool about this is a lot of these veterans are so thankful that this organization helped them, they enter into the bicycle ride. Mm. So you have people with no legs using hand-powered bicycles to enter this. You have people that are blind riding tandems. Um, so. You know, this is an easy, quick way. If you're a cyclist, check this out. Your money goes for a great cause. You get free food, uh, you know, free music. It's not, it's not a big investment, and it, money goes to a really cool thing. And, you know, veterans have a, a very special place in my heart. So if you're not doing anything uh, November 5th, check out the Wallace Ride. James, I have the a link in the show notes.
0: Yeah, and um, if you don't want to ride 100 miles, that's not a problem. You can choose between 12, <laughs> 23, 42, and 63, but you have limbs, so come on, people. Let's go ride. Yeah. Um, the first Friday Q&A, as we said, is coming up next week. Um, we have a lot of questions, so we're, we're set for questions, but keep keep sending them because uh, maybe we'll have an overflow show or who who knows. Who knows? If, but- we, if we get enough questions consistently, we may make a
1: show just around the Q&A because it's, it has to be our most popular session that we do.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. So trybrocket.com forward slash QA. Um, go ahead and write something or you can record something with your phone or however you're going to record it and send it to my email, James at trybrocket.com. And uh, we'll leave that. We'll leave that there for now because we've got a couple of recordings next week. All right. Reviews, Mark, we have two new reviews and we're up to 131 ratings. We're killing That's it. That's awesome. We're yeah, that Thank Thank you, you. everybody that's done this. Yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. So now we're we're at I don't know however many reviews and hopefully we can get to two hundred and just keep this going. All right. HR Foucher. This is the oil and gas podcast. You are looking for five stars. If you work in oil and gas, this is a great way to stay informed on the industry landscape. Keep it up, guys. Thank you, sir. Um, Angus Ma- Angus MacGyver Nice MacGyver like <laughs> October 24th uh, well, No I'm sorry We don't need to say what date um, Five stars Must have For oil and gas If you're involved In the oil and gas industry You need to listen To this podcast Fantastic content And content and insightful discussion Thank you Thank you Thank you And uh, everyone else If you haven't left us To review um, Keep them coming And you know They don't have to be five stars If you hate the show One star. I don't care. Just give us those ratings. Give us those reviews. TribeRucket.com forward slash TW reviews. We'll take you straight there. Um, We talked about the LinkedIn group. Take it away, Mark. Yeah. If you listen to this show, if you want to learn what's coming up next and you want to be
1: the first to learn, join the LinkedIn group. It's Oil & Gas Global Network. It's um, all of our shows. It's the companion to all of our shows. And anything that we're doing new, the people on the LinkedIn group will find out first. But it's also full of your peers with no spam. So, which is rare on LinkedIn. So uh, go join the LinkedIn group.
0: Yeah, and so that's a good point. I've never clarified this. Let me just mention this on the show. If you join the LinkedIn group, because I, I'm often the one that ends up clearing this spam, and there's lots of people that are trying to help. They'll put out some link that'll say, hey, um, you know, this, this is going to be a great conference. We can help you with $150 off. I'm not going to approve that post. And I'm not going to approve that post because of the fact that like, you're selling something. Right, Um, And we're not into having people sell to our group. We're into people helping each other with our group. So, I mean, I appreciate you're there, but, you know, that's that's kind of the stuff, just to define it a little bit here on the show, that's where we kind of have to draw the line. Yeah, let's help educate those people, right?
1: So, if you provide something useful, right? So, let's say you're putting on a show, instead of trying to pitch it with $150 off… Give us something useful. Give us a white paper. Give us something that our, our audience would be able to use that has value. And we you we will naturally they will naturally go back to your site. And on your site, you could put the hundred fifty dollar coupon off or whatever.
0: Or, or or the last page in your white paper or ebook. That's the place yeah. to do that stuff, but you don't lead with that. This, we're right. just doing a little content marketing, you know, session here, but um, you don't lead with that because that's spam. You know, yep. it's, you, 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 you don't have the right to sell to our audience. You earn the right to sell to our audience. And the same applies to any business owner if you're doing content. Yep. All right, cool. So um, where can they get the links for the show, Mark? Like TribeRocket.com. Like <laughs>
1: TribeRocket.com sl- forward slash TW88. So all our shows have episode number. If you want to find the notes for all of those, James puts the work required so you don't have to. You just go to com forward slash TW, the episode number, in this case, 88.
0: 88. All right. Um, we made it to the end. We finally got on the mic and, um, we got through our technical difficulties. So before I look down and realize I'm not recording, which is not happening, I see it's at 40, almost 45. Are you ready to go?
1: Yeah, let's get out of here. Folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease guys.
0: Sticking in Denver a little bit. Okay, I don't have that oracle. All right, we have an outtake.